Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit amazon.com slash pureleaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. Now, after a bit of a slow start to the season, and trust me, I, for one, have heard all the complaints that you've had. Uh, there's not enough drama. You know, episode one, people didn't have <laughs> the knives out stabbing each other. So obviously the fans are excited for some uh, disarray. And we're finally beginning to see some of these inter-country alliances forming. And I got to say, these rip snorters are really beginning to show their cards. And the game, in my opinion, is really turning into the dog's breakfast. All right. Now, I've brought my next guest on uh, so we can have a Captain Hook at this season and really find out what the John Dory is going on these days with these crow eaters. So without further ado, the winner of the Challenge Australia... The pride of Sydney, a real banana bender, if I've ever seen one, Miss Kiki Morris. Hello there, Johnny. Thank you so much for having me. Do you have any idea what the <laughs> fuck I just said? Because I don't. I have literally, I was in my mind just then trying to categorize all of these little one-liners you just used. I heard rip snorters. I heard Captain Hook in it. Yep. I have no fucking idea what you're talking about. I mean, I thought we talked other shit in Australia, but you have just proven to me that it is a universal thing because you're Captain Shit Talker as well yourself. I love well, it. You, well, <laughs> it's probably because you don't speak Dutch because unbeknownst to a lot of people, <laughs> Dutch is actually the spoken <laughs> language in Australia. So you got to brush up on your, on your Danish there. Absolutely. <laughs> That's it. I mean, that is hilarious. That was one of the languages you not only picked for South Africa, but also for Australia. I mean, one of these days you're going to strike with Dutch and you're going to get it correct, I'm sure. It's going to happen. I mean, they're going to ask you in Amsterdam what, what, what they speak, right? And you're going to say Dutch and you'll get it right. <laughs> That's just the go-to. I mean, I, I just feel like there has to be a country other than Australia where Dutch is the spoken language. All right. <laughs> I don't even know what, what country is Dutch actually. Where does it come from? Deutsch, it's from Deutschland. It's, it's, it's it's Holland, isn't it? Holland and Dutch. Uh, oh. Yeah, Holland. Oh, right. Holland. Yeah, Dutch. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, listen. You're the world. You're the world. You're the world traveler over there, currently residing in Ibiza, Spain. How's that going? How'd you end up in Ibiza? 
Well, my partner is Spanish and he is a VIP concierge in Ibiza. So now I am also the VIP concierge in Ibiza and I now live here, which has been incredible because, I mean, it's a lot different from Australia. People in Australia are mental and people in Ibiza are only mental for half of the year as opposed to 12 months of the year in Australia because everyone's here on vacation. So it's been nice so far, but the summer season is getting geared up and I am not ready. There's going to be crazy people all over the streets, you know, partying and having a great time. Most people go to, I always called it Ibiza, but apparently the proper pronunciation is Ibiza. Uh, I don't know how you turn a Z into a TH, but whatever. I know. I thought my boy, I thought my fiance had a list for the first time I met him. I'm like, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> it's just how they pronounce their words. I'm like, he's really cute, but I think he has a list. All the UK, <laughs> like, that's, that's all the UK people call it Ibiza. I'm like, all right. Um, yeah. Most people go there, like you said, for vacation. You are not only yeah. going to be living there through the summer season, yeah. but like you said, mm-hmm. your, your fiance is also a VIP host. So, I mean, yeah. Your your life right now and what you're about to do this summer is actually give I'm getting secondhand anxiety from what you're about to do. Like I was just yeah. saying before, before we started, my my life usually consists of like waking up, having my coffee, feeding my squirrels, living in this very sleepy neighborhood. <laughs> so I mean, are you are you ready for the, the insanity that's about to ensue here? I actually think that this may have been my calling because I am a hypervigilant micromanager of <laughs> my, all calling. <laughs> my calling. For me, this is like, absolutely, I want to do this job because I have to organize people's reservations. I have to organize people's everything. Like, basically, I get to micromanage people's lives for them for the whole, for the the short time that they're in Ibiza. And this is what I love to do. I've been an executive assistant as my professional career for 15 years, looking at CEO level um, professionals, like in conservative banking and financial technology. So I get to take all of those skills of being able to work on the fly and then apply that to making a lot of money off of high network clients. You know, they're spending hundreds of thousands of euros on these trips and I get to be the conduit that brings them and their villa and their yacht together. And I love that. So I think your past life, your past profession, uh, mm-hmm. your past appearances that you've made on reality television have really kind of perfectly set you up for the current line of work and the lifestyle you're in. Because before you graced the challenge screen, you were on yeah. Bachelor Australia season four and then Bachelor in Paradise. So how did your journey into the Bachelor world, how did that begin? That's actually a really funny story. I had just signed a contract to work as the executive assistant to a huge corporation, a financial technology conservative company. And I was also working as a swimsuit model at the time and signed the contract with this company, ready to start on Monday. And someone done a little Google search on young Morris and they found a bunch of bikini clad photos. And they said, look, if you're going to come work for this very conservative company, you can no longer pursue a career as a swimsuit. Hold on, I, hold know, on. I've I'm, been on the- I'm Googling uh, don't, Katie don't Morris swimsuit. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so they said you can no longer pursue this side of the career. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this is, um, like, you can't do this. This is, yeah, pretty sure that's illegal. Like to tell me I'm not allowed to do in my personal time, yep. but outside of office hours, I'm not allowed to pursue a career as a swimsuit model. Because I'd done, you know, the FHMs and the Maxims and the Playboys and all that kind of jazz. So they said to me, you have to either have to give up that career or, you know, you can't work for us. And I said, well, see you guys later. Piss off, basically. And the very next day, the casting directors from The Bachelor contacted me and said, hey, want to come on The Bachelor? And I went, my whole schedule's freed up because I just pretty much quit my job before I even started it. I, mean, I quit, it. I quit my job to pursue a real career. So, yes, I am open free and available <laughs> so yeah that's how my my uh, my role in the bachelor franchise kind of started out i told so her did they google you too banking. is that how they found you they googled yeah. you too i think yeah i think I, and for that reason alone that's why they wanted me they googled me and they went this is the exact kind of girl we want on the bachelor she has no shame she's cruising around in a thong bikini we want her on the show and you know what <laughs> and i think that is what makes and made 
reality television, the challenge, shows like The Bachelor, I feel like it's that mindset that is what makes mm -hmm. the show great is like you said, somebody yeah. who is just on the hot mess express, but just owns it. <laughs> right? Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And it, uh, again, like, I feel like there are so many people, obviously this season, the challenge included, we'll get into that in a minute, who come on and they're trying way too hard to just like kind of self edit. And almost like yeah. give off this like inauthentic version of who they are because it's like they want to put this certain persona out there instead of just being themselves. All right. We are yeah. all flawed individuals. Yeah. Okay. We all are, but but that's what makes us individuals, right? And I feel like it's yeah. like it's like how Instagram is now. It's like everybody now is all trying to look like this one filter instead of mm -hmm just owning their individuality. And I think that's what was great Absolutely. about you is you came on the challenge and it was like, not just from your country. Cause let's, cause let's be real. It was not difficult to like stick out as like any sort of personality <laughs> with the, with the, yeah. with the, with the, with the, with the uh, talent they brought on this season, but just in the house yeah, yeah, overall, yeah. like I feel like you really did bring this kind of like carefree, happy, go lucky. Um, Absolutely. you know, just, just uh persona with you that I think, uh, did great things for mm -hmm. the show. No, I think, I think in my 35 years of living, the majority of the positive feedback I've received from the people that I've come across from in my life and people that are in my life now, either for years or for a season or for a day or for a week. And the feedback always is I'm very authentic. I'm very myself. I have no filter and I don't intend on having it. And if I ruffle people's feathers or if I offend anyone, at least I'm doing it from a place of myself. It's not like I'm seeking out to offend you. It just so happens it got caught in the crossfire because I'm, a fucking maniac and I have no apologies. Hey, love it. And you know what? I think you surprised a lot of people. I think you surprised a lot of people this season, including myself, because again, when you come on, when, you know, when you came on and a lot of the girls said this too, it was like, Oh, you know, Kiki's all about her hair and her makeup and, you know, and, and, and just kind of like the, her overall aesthetic. But then when it got into like the competition aspect of the game, like you like flip the switch, dude. Like I think a lot of people um, were kind of, counting you out in the first elimination you went into against Claudia. Yeah. Just because, yeah, you know, on her absolutely. season, she was like, what, two and oh, in eliminations. I mean, you see her, she's really fit. And you yeah. kind of, I think you were kind of blindsided by that vote as well. Um, oh, but absolutely. That knocked me for six. That but but you went in like, oh. and you like, I mean, you absolutely handled business. So is that yeah. kind of, are you kind of used to, I guess, um, on, on the shows you've been in? And like you said, just like kind of just being, you know, misinterpreted or underestimated yeah. uh, for what you bring to the table? Absolutely. I think I have a very complex personality. Like I come across really bright, bubbly, a bit of a bimbo, very fashion, makeup obsessed because I am. I am very much that personality and it's not staged and it's not from where I was brought up. I'm chalk and cheese to my sister that's just me it's yeah undeniable. just a few a few a few stubby short of a, of a six-pack that's right exactly you're really pulling out the cold <laughs> but then on top of that as well I'm you know a very emotionally intuitive person I have a fight and a, a knack for getting my hands dirty if I need to when it comes to anything physical because I didn't grow up with much and I mean to keep ourselves entertained when we were kids we'd be wrestling other street, other kids in our street in the park because there was no phones or we couldn't afford a Game Boy or anything like that. So I think all of those things have kind of made me this almost bimbo Barbie slash will rip your head off and kill you if she needs to kind of personality that I have. <laughs> uh, but that's, uh, and again, I think that's why you are so, like that. You encompass all of the elements that I feel like go into a great challenge competitor, right? I feel like obviously the dating shows you've probably done in the past with the, with the bachelor bachelor in paradise, you know, there's love Island. There's these other shows. It's like, it doesn't take, it doesn't take a lot in my opinion to uh, no, you're right. stand out or to, to perform or to become, you know, a, a, a star or, or well-known on one of those shows, because it's like, all you got to do is just be hot, go and like hook up and make bad decisions. Now, while yeah. that, and while that, that is something that is, you know, that's a, a, an important arrow to have in your quiver when coming on the challenge, because it's a competition show and because there's yeah. strategy involved, it yeah. requires 
you to check a lot more boxes. And like I said, I think you surprised a lot of people when you showed that you really did have, you know, both sides of the coin. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I mean, I think I surprised myself by coming into the Australian challenge. I had no idea I was capable of the things I was capable of because I think coming from the small town I come, I grew up in as well, tall poppy syndrome was rife. Like I was a model when I was 15 years old and I would be walking across the schoolyard and get beaten up because like anyone that did anything different outside of the norms in my little sleepy neighborhood would get picked on. So I think for a long time, I kind of dulled my shine for, for a lot of people in order not to stand out because, you know, you put, put yourself into a position where you can be criticized. So then going on firstly, the bachelor, and then definitely coming on the challenge, it was like, I actually now have to do the things I have programmed my brain to not do. And that's to be good at something outwardly good, better than everyone else, because I had stopped myself from excelling at anything for such a long time out of fear of being chastised publicly. So now it's like, holy shit, now you've actually got to be better than everyone. And you've got to have the guts, the goal and the glory to follow through with it and not care if people don't like you for it. So it was a massive mental challenge for me to go into challenges seeking to win because I was afraid of other people's opinions of me. But has it almost, has it like almost come full circle where, I mean, the small town that you grew up, the people you grew up with who were once, you know, trying to get you to conform to, you know, being in this box, you've now kind of like broken out of that and you've, you know, been able to kind of, um, you know, show, you know, what, what, what you're capable of doing. Has the response almost been like people from your hometown and people that you grew up with or you know, proud and amazed Absolutely. about what you've become. I get messages all the time on social media and, and social media is like a double-edged sword for some re- so many things. Like you lose your privacy, but then I've got people reaching yeah. out to me from 15, 20 years ago saying, yeah. always knew you were destined for great things and I can't believe you've come so far and me and my 16 kids, no, I'm joking, but a lot of people from my hometown have got a lot of yeah. kids. Yeah. Me and all, our, all my kids are all cheering you on in our lounge room. And I mean, it's kind of nice to know that um, you know, I, I, I left when I was like 17 and now, even now at 35 years old, I've still got, you know, somewhat of an impact on these jealous bitches back in high school, though I'm joking, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> they peaked in high, uh, high school. You're still out here getting cuter. That's the way I see it, man. That's it. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now you've obviously done the dating shows. You've done the challenge, mm-hmm. which, which, uh, reality television platform do you think better suits you absolutely the challenge I mean for me it's an opportunity for people to step outside of their regular lives and live life like a superhero for as long as the time you can survive in that environment so you know we saw the girls with kids like you know your John A's and your Jodie's and stuff like that like their moms, their wives, they've got this whole like infrastructure of a family life back home and they come on the challenge and they're out there wrestling and pole brawling. Yeah. You know, you've got guys with their kids and things like that. And then it's cool that we get to do that. Like it's, you push yourself as far as you can and you get to be cunning and manipulative and stab people in the back, but then go back home to mom's group and go to an eight-year-old birthday party next week. Like it's fucking mental. You're like, we've got all of these really put together family moms and dads. And then we've got yeah. this asshole bananas who's just uh, an overgrown <laughs> man child thinks he's fucking Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's cool that we get to, you know, for a short time of the year, step outside of our regular life and our regular responsibilities, live like we're in a frat house, party like teenagers again when we have our nights out. Let's not deny that we don't go a little bit loose when we get to go out. But then also have these high school style rivalries with people that you carry with you to the next challenge and you see them there and you're like, these people are going down. Like we get to have this fake life for, you know, six to eight weeks or 10 weeks or however long it is. Wait, did you say something about having responsibilities outside? What's a, what's a responsibility? (laughs) This word isn't in my vernacular. I've heard about these things. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard about them. I don't know if it's a legend or not. (laughs) (laughs) So that's sort of like having a, quote unquote, real job. That's my favorite insult. Yeah. Or when people try and like insult me by being like, get a real job, man. You're 40, man. <laughs> when are you going to get a real job? I'm like, um, can you please, what's your definition <laughs> of a real job? Because for a lot of people, if I'm not sitting in a cubicle working nine to five, yeah. 
you know, just grind, grinding you. it out. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's yeah. somehow, I'm sorry. I have a lot of time and a lot of flexibility. Yeah. I get paid way Absolutely. more than I should to do what I do. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, here's my thing. And like, this was, I was an econ major um, in college. This blows a lot of people's minds. I didn't do it by choice. The only reason I was an econ major is because the, the marketing uh, degree that I wanted to get, the, 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 it was already full. That class was already full. So I just had to choose another one. So I just basically, was like, I just like closed my eyes and pointed and economics came up. But one of the most fascinating economic principles that, or one of the theories or whatever that we learned was there's opportunity cost and opportunity benefit, right? And when you yeah. have it, and basically, if you have like, you know, a graph and you have the the axis, it's it, the axis. It's like you have your time, your leisure time mm -hmm. and you have income. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. generally, the way it works is the less leisure time you have, the more income you have. Right. So the more you work, the more income you have. If you go the other way, yeah. the more leisure time you have, the less income you make income. So I remember that being was an then, econ. Though. That was exactly. before the internet or, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was also, though, like the traditional nine to five, right? There's people who work all year to get a two-week vacation. I'm yeah, like- that was me. I worked in an office job yeah. for 12 years, and I was the clinically depressed going to yeah. work on the train every day with every other person, yep. like a rat in a maze. Yep. I would finish work. I'd have two hours to myself. Then I would work in a bar until midnight. And that was just to pay my rent in Sydney and wear designer clothes because I had a really big <laughs> appetite for designer clothes. So I had to work two jobs just to have a, like the life I wanted to live yeah. so that I could feel like I was successful. And now I, you know, I feel like you're the same. You, we both now work in reality TV. You have your podcast. I have my social media, um, you know, e-com stuff. And I've never been happier. And and well, and that's, that's the, the point I was getting to is like people look at life as it's like, all about money and it's all about earning income. And it's like, but yeah. for me having leisure time and having spare time, it's like, I am okay with foregoing some of the monetary benefits because Absolutely. in my opinion, you can't put a price on experiences and free time. And like, just being able to, like you said, just have like kind of the freedom to do whatever you want to do whenever you yeah. want to do it. And I remember it's in my econ class and, and you know, the professor being like, well, you can only have one or the other. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to figure out the loophole in life where I'm able to have both income yeah. and free time. And here I am, lo and behold, somehow, some way I've cracked the code. So yeah. don't ask me how I did it because I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, all right. <laughs> I went off. I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry. On a tangent. I, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, it. everyone, for the uh, the, the econ. <laughs> the econ. They're like, man, we come on your podcast here with a challenge, not your fucking college degree. Um, all right. So, oh, how was so you won the your season of the challenge Australia? Yep. How was the challenge Australia um, different than, and how does it compare to world champs, global champs so far? Yeah, the thing is with the Australian one, obviously it was the first season ever, so no one really knew what we were getting into. I had never even watched the show before. And also I think because Australia has somewhat of a small town vibe, everyone on the show, we all know each other outside of the show from different events. Like once you've done a reality program in Australia, you're on the same PR list. You go to the same event, the same people, everyone kind of knows each other. And I mean... We knew each other socially. A lot of us did before we went on the show. So everything that was happening on the show drama-wise and conflict-wise was current because it was the first season. Whereas in the world, some of you guys have got beef for years and years and there's like, you know, Wes has got, you know, his background and I feel like he said that he's had beef with lots of people. Then there's been rivalries. There was breakup, breaking up engagement. Yep. Like we had none of that stuff on Australia. Ours is pretty cruisy. Then you guys have got all these skeletons in your closet, but for like however many seasons you guys have done together, it's pretty yeah. fucking wild. Yeah. I mean, we've, but, but again, I mean, I'm, it, it's, there are people like Jordan and like Wes who I have yeah. known, beefed with, fought with, re reconciled, yeah. fought with again. Yeah. Like the history I have, I have spent more time with some of the people on the challenge than I have like people I've known for my yeah. entire life, you know? Yeah. 
I've seen them. I've, I've spent more time with challenge people over the last few years of my life. And I hate to even admit this than like family members. Okay. So again, after a while, you know, it does become family and that's why. And I know you guys weren't kind of privy to like, you know, what exactly the, 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 the dynamics were between us, but that's why it makes it so difficult for us to come on a season like this, because you, you're not just thinking about, Oh, how's this going to affect me this season? But I'm going to see mm. this person next season and the season after and potential season after. So it's like you almost have to like look forward like how, you know, you have to almost play for the future, not just for the current That's situation right. you're in. Because you can't you can't screw someone over in the current season and not think that they're not going to pop back up in season 40 and be like, surprise, motherfucker. I am back and I remember what you did and the knife is still in my back and it is not over. Let's and <laughs> it's funny because it sounds like the statement you just made, you could kind of relate. Because coming into the show again, you guys didn't know about our past and our history, but we also weren't you didn't know about privy yeah. to, you know, all the trouble in uh, paradise when it came to Australia. So we're yeah. coming into the season. What was your, I guess, your relationship with and how, I guess, what was your relationship status with the rest of the Aussies, with with Grant, Emily and Troy? Yeah. Okay. So the thing is, um, I... <laughs> fucking so naive over here. I thought everything was sweet. Like, I mean, Emily had beef with the girls in my alliance. We were in the Batchy Alliance. And Grant had his own alliance, which Emily was included in. But I was always good with everyone in the house. Like, I wasn't really, I'm not an underhanded kind of dirty deep in the dark kind of person. So I didn't really have any bad blood with any of them. But through association in my alliance, those guys had it out for us as a collective. So, I mean, that's as far as I thought it went, but I didn't know Emily had such a hard on to see me fail. Like she wanted me fucking out from the day one. I walked into the challenge world championship and she was putting on a really good front. Like Keeks, don't worry. Team Australia's got you. You're fine. Blah, blah, blah. And the whole time her and Grant, I think were kind of orchestrating a way to get Troy and I on the outside as fast as they could, because, I mean, Grant was eliminated seventh or something, and I think Emily was eliminated fifth in our season. And I think they really wanted to make it to the finals. And because Troy and I didn't, I, obviously Troy and I did, and they didn't, they wanted us to get out, but basically. So I didn't know they were so conniving. And I'm shocked watching the last, last episode because I was like, these fucking pricks. I was yeah. shocked. I was shocked yeah, watching the last episode. So I can't imagine... What you yeah. must have felt like. So how much of, of uh, and I guess you just you just explained it. You weren't aware of yeah. what was going on. Wasn't. But I am going None. to play a uh, a, a soundbite from, <laughs> yeah. from this show just because I want to get, I just want to get your reaction to it. And it could, because it yeah. kind of speaks to exactly what you just said. So mm-hmm. this is um, a conversation that uh, Grant and Emily are having with you in the room. Yes. Um, that was just yeah. not very kind. Fucking house is always a pigsty. He's <laughs> an airhead, man. Fuck's sake. Kiki's good at what she does, and deep down wants to do good and make like make sure everyone's happy. But I'm a bit worried because I think people can pull Kiki in different directions. It's just she's been a bit odd, and like that's the thing about Kiki. Kiki doesn't give you straight up. Carrying on like a fucking pork chop. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit shirty with my Australian team as a lot of chitter chatter goes on without me around. If 80% of their strategy talk doesn't include me, then it's about me. So can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why do you carry on like a pork chop and don't you just want a fair shake of the sauce bottle at the end of the day? <laughs> so a fair shake of the sauce bottle means like, are you serious? Like a fair shake of the oh, sauce no, no, bottle. Oh, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. A fair suck of the sauce bottle. Yeah. It's either shake or suck. It's depending on where you're from. But, um, <laughs> are you a shaker like or a, a suck? Shop, are you I, a shaker or a sucker? Depending on the sauce bottle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say now? Yeah. So basically I was, I do carry on like a pork chop. I'm not going to deny that. I, I get, I'm excited to be around people and enjoy the experience. And I think Grant and Emily were referring to the fact that I wasn't completely malleable to their master plan. And I started to realize 
they were being a bit shady and they were constantly asking me about what Darrell and I were planning on doing. And I stopped giving them as much information as they were requesting from me because I kind of realized you guys are using everything I'm giving you against me. And it was pretty, uh, I was pretty adamant that I was going to start like moving away from them, so to speak, a little bit. And calling me an airhead, well, so what? Call me something else. I haven't been, I haven't heard that before. Come on, Grant. I'm just saying, were you aware? Because here's here's the the, the thing that I've noticed about Grant mostly. The guy's yeah. a confessional cowboy, okay? I yeah. don't think him and I really said more than like five words to each other the entire season. But every time we did, our exchanges were pleasant, right? Like he seemed like a nice yeah. guy. Like he'd compliment me about certain, I don't know, this one day he talked, he complimented my abs, which I was like, Thank you, Grant. I really <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, been, yeah. I'm sucking in on purpose just so you can see them. But then this guy <laughs> goes into the confessionals and he goes on podcasts and it's like the guy, all he does is talk shit on everybody in the house. And it's like, where was this energy on the yeah, show? Yeah, where yeah. was this energy within the house? It's like you go in your confessionals and this is the time that, you, that, that, that you're going to pipe up and you're going to, you know, actually no, you I know, t- puff out your chest. And it kind of seemed like it was the same with you as well. Oh, you're going to die when I tell you this. And I forgot about this. In one exchange between Grant and I, when back when the world champion just started, world championship just started, he actually said to me, he goes, oh, these guys on this show are going to love me. I'm going to say so many Aussie slang things and I'm going to really ham up the Aussie side of things because they, they love it and they find it really funny. And I'm like, okay, you're going to try and play like Crocodile Dundee (laughs) 2.0 so people think you're funny. Okay, bro, whatever you reckon. So I think a lot of it was for the sake of the cameras rolling. A lot of the things he did say was for, again, like what we were saying, he wasn't being authentic. Um, And I think that it kind of shows because, yeah, he'd only have a lot to say in the actual confession box that we're in, never really in the house when he's amongst other people. Ever. So, I mean... I don't trust people like that. And yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Go beyond reality with new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea and discover a berry delicious world bursting with unexpected blackberry flavor. A world so full of refreshing blackberry iced tea that you may never want to leave. But there's always time to linger. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So Emily and Grant, you said there was a carryover from last season where the two of them were in this alliance together. Why do you feel like though coming to this season as a country? Like, I mean, was it just kind of from the beginning? Like you were kind of on the outs or why do you feel like yeah. you weren't included? Because the way that, I mean, and again, I don't I have a very remedial knowledge of your season, but you and Troy mm. won. So That's right. shouldn't it be the <laughs> other way around? Like, shouldn't it be you and Troy kind of like, you know, who, who yeah, were kind of pulling the shot? Yeah. yeah. And, and they're the ones that are tra- trying to figure out how did that, you know, shake down? 
I don't know. The dynamic was really strange, to be honest. And I think in the last in the last episode of our World Championship season, you actually see me say, um, Troy and I actually won. So why are we letting Grant and Emily call a shot yeah. on our team? So yeah. I think it was a matter of the fact that Troy and I are both two really decent people. And I think we didn't really feel like we needed to prove anything. And we were just playing the game like we do, which is befriend people, go out on challenges, win shit, but not really try and try too hard with the strategy. And I think because Grant and Emily came in as MVPs, didn't actually neither of them make it to the final, I think that they were overcompensating, looking mm-hmm. like they were strategizing, aligning with people, doing this, doing that. They were doing too much too soon. And I think Troy and I just went, you guys are way too busy this early on in the game and we just wanted to take a step back because they overdid it. They overextended themselves in too many ways to too many different alliances as well. So, do you yeah. think? Do you think maybe... Emily, um, her kind of disdain or jealousy towards you, do you think that that comes from the fact that you do a lot of Sudoku puzzles or you don't do enough Sudoku puzzles? <laughs> I think it's because that's one thing we don't have in common. I mean, I would never choose to do a Sudoku in the middle of a giant team lunch and not partake in any conversation or eating any meals. I mean, she's a strange character. And for the most part, I think she means well. One thing we have to remember about Emily is is that she was in competitive swimming from a very young age. Uh So every person in her team was also a a competitor to her. And I think that meant she kept people at arm's length. So Mm. even though I was in Team Australia, I was still a competition to her. And I think that's ingrained in her from when she was a teenager. So I can't hold that against her. And I got no bad blood with her. So, Maybe yeah. you should have spent more time in the pool than outside tanning. You know what I mean? Maybe that could have been like a team yeah, bonding yeah, experience. Absolutely, yeah. Well, you say you have no yeah. bad blood with her, but I'm going to play another clip and I want your take on this because this might change your <laughs> opinion a little bit. I feel like hurt <laughs> feelings in the first one. From day one, I felt there was a rift between Kiki and the Australians. I'm really fucking angry. I'm really fucking disappointed. Who orchestrated that? The plan was always (laughs) using Kiki as a pawn. Kaz and Kiki are not our numbers. We could swing the Argentinians to vote in Kiki. That's the crack that we needed. So what what Grant and Emily were referring to in, in the beginning of that clip, and again, I was just not fucking part of the whole first half of the game because I was just dying in bed. But you went yeah, into the first that. elimination. You were the first one voted yeah. in. Okay. And I obviously wasn't privy to what went down in the vote, but you kind of seemed like you were blindsided, right? You felt blindsided. Not that your team, not that your country necessarily voted you in, but they didn't stick their necks out for you and they didn't try to save you. So to your knowledge, were Grant and Emily aware of the plan to send you in and they just pretended like they weren't? Absolutely. So I think between Danny and Sarah and Emily and Grant, they said if we put the two girls in, Grant's going to save Kiki. And then if they can't make a decision, TJ will throw in Zara. because she was obviously the first qualifier winner with Grant. That's that's what they said that the, the possibility will be. They always said Kiki can be a pawn, but she'll never go in. So the, the strategy of the voting was that Emily and Grant weren't going to say my name, but everyone else was. So they didn't look bad to me, but they knew all about it. It was, an, it was a bit of a reverse psychology thing. But, I mean, I found that out later on, and I think over the next episode or two you'll actually see me really start to arc up and really start to dislike both Grant and Emily uh, moving forward in the season. So it was a bit how you going? It was very how you going. <laughs> A bit sketchy. It was a stitch up. I got stitched up. You got you got stitched up. Um, Yeah, because that's what that's what kind of struck me in that clip was Grant pretending when you were standing there like he had no idea what had just happened. He was like, "Oh my god, yeah, yeah." We had no idea that was going to happen. When in actuality, you know, they were behind the whole plan. And then there's also, I mean, listen, you have your fair share of of your own inter country issues. You're not alone. Because as you see, there are, there's a very large, I wouldn't even call it a rift, it's a chasm at this point, developing on yeah. Team USA as well between, mm-hmm. you know, myself, Tori, and Theo, who are kind of, you know, have our set of relationships, we're pushing in one direction, and then you have Sarah and Danny, and then you kind of have Ben 
trying to figure out which direction he wants to go. And I find it really funny that Sarah continues to say how, oh, you know, we're not going to play a scared game and we're here to make big moves and the legends don't want to make big moves. And it's like, you make a big move when the timing is appropriate. All right. Yeah, that's right. The last two eliminations that we've seen, who was in them? Nelson and Huhui, and you had Rodri and Naya, okay? Neither one of those two pairs I would consider a strong team. So if if we make a big move and you throw in a strong team in either one of those two eliminations, the team you sent in is coming back. Coming back, absolutely, absolutely. No, I completely agree with you. And I think that's what, what Troy and I kind of were trying to avoid with that whole Australia US alliance that Grant, Emily, and Sarah and Danny had because I'm like, you guys are drawing too much attention to yourself to these ridiculous, bogus plans yeah. that you're trying to orchestrate. I don't want to be a part of that. You guys are crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. What? Wh- and again, what? What? I couldn't wrap my brain around the entire time, the the entire season. And this was, you know, obviously the the, the argument that was coming, f- uh, you know, that came from Sarah and Danny, and then it was obviously reiterated on the show and in the confessionals and this sort of thing. Is mm-hmm. there? They don't want to play our game and they keep calling it our game and they don't want to use our relationships. Okay. But in all honesty, especially when it comes to the Danny Jordan Tory situation. Yeah. Danny, like, like it or not, is already in an alliance with Jordan just based on his, his relationship with Tory alone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sarah is also protected by, uh, by Jordan Being because of the relationship yeah. with Kaz and Theo. So I'm sitting here yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. guys, this is an absolute 100% locked vote for you guys every single time. Yeah, why, yeah, exactly. Why would you then not only want to take this team out, but then establish like this other alliance with people you literally just met? And what occurred to me was yeah. they're basically protected on both sides. And I think they knew that. I yeah. think no matter what they did, no matter yeah. what they said, Jordan and Kaz yeah. were, were never going to come for them. So it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we're going to have this protection on this side, but we're also going to have this Australian absolutely. alliance and, and protection as well. It's true. It's absolutely true. I mean, I feel like as well, like having that kind of protection, they didn't have to kind of need to get on their soapbox and harp on about it so much as they did. Like, I think it was just, I feel like they wanted to come across like, hey, we're new in this competition yes. and we're going to play things our way. Yes. Hop on this big, like, we're not going to play the cards you've been dealt with, guys, and just shut up. Like, come on. What would have been funny is if we would have came in, all right, and instead of pairing up with Jordan, <laughs> we would have been like, all right, guys, here's the plan. We're going to start an alliance with Team Australia. What would they have done then? Because <laughs> yeah, they couldn't exactly. have gone along with the plan because it's our plan. They couldn't have gone no. along with it. That's right. That's right. Yeah, because it was if whatever you say, we don't want to do it out of principle because we want to show that we're tough and we can do the challenge too. And that's what I'm saying. It It was about what, yeah. And again, like that was my 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 big conversation that I had with both both Danny and Sarah is like, guys, like there's no there's no hidden agenda here. There's no angle. We told you from day one exactly who we have relationships with and who we're protecting, right? Jordan, obviously, and then Wes to a certain extent. That was never yeah. a secret. You know what I mean? What yeah. what, yeah, what yeah, was yeah. revealed and what was a secret to us was the alliance that they had with the Aussies that we were unaware of. So it's almost like the yeah, game yeah. they were accusing us of playing or the angle they were accusing us of trying to play is what they were doing. Exactly. It was like you point the blame. There's something you're guilty of. It's like, you know, whoever, what is it? Whoever denied it, supplied it, whoever smelt it, dealt it. That yeah. whole rule, like, it's like, you're pointing the finger at you because I'm really doing that. Yeah. Um, so the anyway. challenge, the challenge, um, we, we, we do is obviously, I mean, I've done a lot of wacky shit on this show and we showed up, we saw excavators with cables hanging from them. I'm like, <laughs> all right, dude, they've, they've fully, they've fully gone off the, the, the rails here. Um, <laughs> cool though. Nonetheless, um, how did you feel about, well, let me just ask you this from a strategic mind, from a strategic player. Mm-hmm. What's your idea? What's your thoughts on like Wes and just like how he strategically plays the game? Look, I think that Wes is a very smart guy. I mean, I sat down and listened to him talk enough in the house because 
you know, with all the free time we had, I'd like to kind of learn about people's background and their life experience. And I mean, he's a smart guy, but I think he may have perceived more people not drinking that mixture on flying around challenge, the daily challenge than what they did. Because I mean, he watched so many people of us, so many of us throwing up and, and not managing to keep our drinks down. No, he was the first, he was, oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, You know what I mean? On the qualifier. So I think Mm -hmm. he thought to himself, that many people vomited, they're not going to want to do it again. I think Zara and I will be fine to sit this out because he thinks, obviously Zara is a very athletic person. I think he thought they were going to do better in the ring toss and that the three points or the five points wasn't going to affect them. But where they were situated on that grid as well, the wind was against them. Mm-hmm. And Zara is a really small, she's strong, but she's a small girl too. She's petite. So I think it, she was throwing against the wind. He then had to throw against the wind as well to go into the basket. The whole, everything was against them on that day, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, the, the strategy. I feel like here's the thing with Wes is Wes always. Now, sometimes there are obvious flaws or loopholes or, 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 or things that you're able to exploit in a challenge, you know, from a strategic standpoint, but not always. And I think, Wes was just try- after his, I think he was riding the wave from his win uh, in, the, in the Gates of Hell challenge, you know, beating Danny. Yeah. I think he was like walking on cloud nine and I almost felt like he was like, okay, I got to keep this ball rolling. I have to like show everybody that I am the most strategic thinker here. So I'm going to do something that nope. Because I remember before we, when we were all standing in the tent before we did the challenge, he's like, after TJ explained the rules and he's like, if you don't drink it, it's five. If you, if you, if you throw up, it's two. So if you don't finish it and you throw up at seven and I'm a Weston here, like, yeah, well, I think everyone should just not drink it. He was like trying to like convince everybody to convince people. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, nah, we're good, man. We're just going to go ahead and drink it. And I think yeah. because he had came up with that idea and because he had proposed that idea and because he said, that's what they were going to do. I think even when they got there, they probably could have done it, but he's like, he was already like in too deep. And it was almost like he couldn't allow himself then to back off of that. And what they ended up doing yeah. is just screwing themselves. Especially because they were the first uh, first cap off the rank too. So then everyone went, well, we're not going to not drink it now because they haven't. And at least we know if we drink it, yeah. we're already five points ahead of them. <laughs> exactly. So they stitched, again, another stitch up. That was a massive stitch up. Stitch themselves up. Um, <laughs> you had absolutely no problems drinking the smoothie. That was impressive. And then, yeah. I mean, what the hell, dude? Your little like alley oop layup ring toss situation to Darrell. I remember after we went, I was like 14. I was like, I think that's a big number. I was like, I'm pretty sure we got this thing in the yeah, bag. And then you get yeah, out there and it, ab- it's all right. <laughs> you got out there and just absolutely like, there are certain challenges I'm like, ah, that was, you got out there and you, I mean, you guys beasted that one, man. You really did. I think that my, what I had in my favor is that I was left-handed. And I think as well, because I was left-handed, the direction in which I needed to throw so that Darrell would swing into it worked yeah. in my favor rather than right hand. I threw this way and he just kind of swung through and picked it up. Yeah. So I think that was what worked in my favor in that aspect. But I, again, it was a really close call because I couldn't see um, once Darrell got in line with that excavator, you can't see if he's getting it into the basket or not. So, you know what I mean? It was always hard to decide whether or not, oh shit, are we getting them in or not? Like, I know I'm connecting with him, but is he getting them in at the other side? No, I so, saw. I mean, it was, I was, a lucky, it was a lucky win. I was counting and I was like, once we got to 14, I saw I got a couple more in and I'm just like, all right, well, that's, that, there goes it. us. <laughs> um, did you, did you have any, so you guys win and obviously is the, you know, very cliche quote goes with great power comes great responsibility. Responsibility, what was, yeah. What was your initial thought process? I guess when TJ announced that you guys w- had won, did you have any like immediate thoughts in your head that's like, okay, this is the direction that we want to go. This is who we want to send in. Or were you just kind of like, we'll just see how it goes? I think if I had it my way, if I would have had the guts to even think, you know, a little bit more strategically, I think Darrell and I would have had more of a chat, but I just panic in that aspect. And I'm like, whatever you think is the best, best thing for us to You've done this more times than I have. You've won four times. Like, I think I took no responsibility in making any decision for our team in the first, I think even the first three uh, deliberations that we did. 
because I was just too afraid to ruffle feathers. I don't know what happens to me in that environment. I just can't say a name. So, I mean, yeah, it gets easier, though, for me, I think, throughout the season. And and it's almost like with you and Darrell, you both are in that same regard. It's almost like instead of you guys balancing each other out, like, all right, I want to swing big and he wants to, yeah. uh, you know, play it safe or vice versa. You guys are both like, let's just play it as safe as we possibly can, because I, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, and I, and I don't know if this is, if I'm just reading the conversation wrong or whatever, but it sounded like no. when you guys were outside, uh, laying on the, on that little day bed, ha having the chat, which way you were going to go. And you were basically breaking down to him, the situation that existed again with you and, and, and your family and grant. Yeah. Australians. Yeah. 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 And it almost seemed like that was the direction you were leaning towards. Like this is, I, I feel did. like I for my game and it seemed like yeah. he was the one that was like, you see the look on his face. He's like, no, 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 we should just yeah, go yeah, with the yeah. flow and play this as, as safe as we possibly can. Was that kind of what happened? was happened in that situation. Yeah, I think it was because I think I was, I, what I wanted was I wanted to get rid of Emily and Greg because I feel like as soon as, as long as they were there, we had targets on our back um, mm -hmm. because we weren't really putting ourselves out there aligning with people so aggressively. Um, and I think as well, Darrell has a, a has a somewhat of a relationship with Yes. So mm -hmm. he didn't ever want to go for them. And he also has a pretty close relationship, I think, with John A. So I think that was never really a, like a, an idea for him to do, for him to go towards. But I think we didn't really have a big alliance with anyone at this point. So I feel like we had to play it safe because we really didn't have protection from anyone or anyone that was a, a pulling power at that point as well. So we were really in a pickle thinking we've won this. Now we've got to do something with it. And we're too afraid to pull a trigger because we don't really have any alliances to protect us if it goes sour. So yeah, it was pretty stressful. When push came to shove, though, whose relationships mm. do you think would I would would um, would win out? Prevail, right. So, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If you're saying that, OK, well, Darrell didn't want to say um, yes and Emily because the relationship he has with yes and John A because of his relationship with John A and Grant. When push mm. came to shove, though, don't you think that Emily and Grant, based on the alliance that that, that they had established? if they wanted to say, send you guys in mm -hmm. that their uh, disdain for you would almost like override their partner's relationship with Darrell. I think so. Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, it makes it really difficult when there's like, we're seeing it right now with Danny and Tori as well. Like you've got to have that push pull with your partner and it depends on who gets to win the roll of the dice that week, who gets to pull the trigger based on who they don't like or who they do like. And I think that I protected, I let Darrell protect Yes and Emily from an elimination that I would have loved to see her go into. And I mean, I feel like that was a bad move on, on Darrell's part, I guess. Did you in the vote when you guys obviously were upstairs and waiting for, you know, the, the, did you did you have mm -hmm. any idea kind of where the votes like were, were falling? Did you guys know, I guess, um, which team the votes were, were going to fall on or were you guys just totally in the dark? No, I didn't know that they'd orchestrated a stalemate kind of plan at all. We had no idea. As you see, I think me, Zara, Wes and Darrell are like, what the fuck is a stalemate? Mm -hmm. yeah. We had no idea that that, that had been pre-planned. Like, I think. Sarah had planned the first one, like in her mind with numbers, to try and do it with the, the, the after the qualifier with Kaz and I. Um, and I think she kind of tried to orchestrate it again. I'm not entirely sure. I'm still in the dark about that. But, I mean, we had no idea what to expect. And what they don't show, which is kind of annoying, um, that stalemate, we went down, we voted three times. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. until the third one where it's like, okay, now it's a stalemate. So, yeah. When you see like the frustration that starts to boil over uh, with me and with Jordan mm -hmm. as well, it's not like, mm -hmm. oh, my God, the votes are going this certain way. We're not getting our way. It's the fact that it kept happening. Over. happening and it's yeah. like and we're looking at production like, what are we doing here? We've now gone down the line twice. The votes have not changed. Mm -hmm. Are we just going to continue doing this all night because they weren't giving us any sort of um, no, instruction on what was going to happen after that? And again, here's the other thing that's funny. It's, it's, it's like every the, 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 the other part of Team USA, the, the Danny, Sarah, uh, you know, 
a part of the alliance. They want to make it out like, oh, well, well, we got our way. This was like our victory. And it's like, no, nobody got their way because not yet. the plan was not the plan was to get Jordan and Kaz and Grant and, and Emily in. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Grant and John mm-hmm. Ayan. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. never to have it come down to a, a, a stalemate where the votes were yeah. tied between Jordan, because then that just throws everyone into potential jeopardy. So, absolutely. I no, mean, so I, I feel you. Their and plan was as foiled just as much as ours was. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, like I said, again, I think it was all about this against authority thing. I feel like they felt like they had to prove it to you guys that no matter what, if you say the sky's blue, we're saying it's green. Fuck the legends. That was their mentality at the time. You know what I mean? Like whatever they say they're going to do, we're going to do the opposite. It was this, uh, they had, you know, a complete disdain towards you guys in that aspect. And they wanted to do whatever it was you guys said you weren't do, they want to do type thing. Yeah. And the conversation right afterwards uh, you had with um, Amber and Troy, basically, again, uh, regarding this, because you, I think, were kind of shocked at the way that the votes went down. And you kind of said in the moment, you're like, which way did Danny vote? And you're like, well, he basically refused to to vote a certain direction. And then that's when you kind of put two and two together and you realize that this um, alliance between him and Grant was for real. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I realized at that point as well that I could, the only people I could really trust in this game were probably Troy and Amber and Jarrell at this point because we had, I had pretty close ties with, um, I guess, Zara and with Kaz as well. But at the same time, their respective partners had their alliances with you guys. So it's like, fuck, we, Jarrell and I are sitting ducks out here. Troy and Amber and Jarrell and I, we got no one. We literally had no one on either side of us. And we were like, we're fucked, guys. <laughs> we're in big trouble. And Troy basically, um, divulges i think more than he wanted to because you guys were standing there and it's so funny because i rewatched it because i just love when people <laughs> feel like they put their foot in their mouth because he basically told you he's like you see it in his face yeah <laughs> grant's the one that essentially orchestrated or had knowledge of you being the sacrificial lamb in the first elimination and then right after he said that he was like, oh, fuck. How do I backtrack off this? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then after that, because I'm quite fiery, I was like, I'm going to call them out on that. And he's like, it never came from me. It didn't come from me. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. it's got to come from fucking someone. I wanted blood after I found that out. And it will just, it snowballs from there. The, 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 the hatred inside of me just boils over. So was there, yeah. so, so then the way that this nomination, this played out, all this new information, because obviously the show, the, the episode ends on a cliffhanger. We don't know which direction you guys were going to go, but mm-hmm. did, did, uh, I guess what was revealed during the nomination, what was revealed, um, you know, again, with Troy divulging what he did, did this <laughs> in any way, shape or form start to potentially sway the way that you, uh, wanted to vote if again, um, you guys had any power? For me personally, absolutely, yes. I think I was realizing it's a once bitten, twice shy type of mood for me in that aspect that I was like, my team are out to get me. They're out to get me at every opportunity. I mean, if Emily is as close with Sarah as she was and they knew they were planning to sailmate it, she could have came to me and told me that, you know, Australia Mm -hmm. to Australia kind of countryman vibe. And once again, I was kept in the dark and I was just like, you know what, fuck this. This yeah. game is really, yeah. it's really, really, it's, it's savage. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is savage. But you know what? You take it in stride. And uh, I mean, you came, you come into this season and, you know, <laughs> if I didn't know better, I think that you were a seasoned veteran the way that you navigated your way through this minefield of a situation. So, Absolutely. all right. Well, I mean, God, God willing, they invite me back and sooner or later, I will be a seasoned veteran along with you and the rest of the legends. Well, if I have anything to say about it, Kiki, you will be, you will be there. All right. Thanks. I appreciate and I will that. be in a B and, and I will be in a Biza hopefully sooner rather than later. And I'll see you. Yeah, we can celebrate over a couple of Tommy's margaritas here in a Biza. Ooh, Tommy's margaritas. <laughs> All right. Throw a couple of shrimps on the Barbie. All right. Well, I think we're all looking forward to seeing which direction you guys want to go, and we'll see uh, what plays out. You know, the, the playing it safe or swinging for the fences. So. Um, Kiki for, uh, again, want to thank you for coming on for all those, uh, fans out there for all those (laughs) listeners. 
that want to follow you or, uh, you know, subscribe, yeah. uh, where can they find you? Yeah. <laughs> At Kiki Morris on Instagram. And yeah, you can find everything you need to know about me there. Well, listen, thanks for stopping by. Can't wait to see how the season plays out, um, for you and the rest of your fellow countrymen. Um, so yeah, thanks for stopping by the death taxes and bananas podcast where the tea flows like wine and my guests instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm Oprah and I love you. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.